attach things together. <laughs> oh no, I love it. You're so good at it. Thank you. You're listening to Hot Tub Philosophy with myself, Louisa, and Faith. <laughs> I don't know if we should do like a like a double act one. Yeah. We need like our own little like introduction. <laughs> Yeah, we do. I should, but we should probably get like a spoken introduction at some point. But anyway, in the meantime, you're listening to Hot Tub Philosophy with Faith and Louisa because life is like a hot tub, enjoyable as an experience as long as you don't stop to think about how disgusting and tacky it actually is. <laughs> I was trying to explain this philosophy to my mom, and I think she got it. She laughed and she was like, oh, "Yeah, that's great," but she does that a lot when I talk about things, and she doesn't understand. <laughs> I could probably explain it to my parents because they have a sauna but Uh, it's not it's not like a proper sauna room like my first boyfriend was Danish and he had like a a sauna like a sauna in his house it was absolutely gorgeous yeah like a full room decked out perfect proper like freestanding like completely contained ones as well Oh my god, yeah, like like a literal room that you would walk into oh. was the sauna room and they had a swimming pool. I mean oh my what's god. even the use of having a massive outdoor pool in Belgium? Well you exactly. probably use it for about a month a year. <laughs> That's some heavy optimism on their behalf. I remember he introduced me to underfloor heating. Oh god, our old house used to have underfloor heating oh. and it was glorious. My life has never been the same, <laughs> but my my parents also have a sauna, but they've done theirs on a budget, shall we say. Um, <laughs> and it looks so bizarre because it's basically like a like a cubicle. It looks like a portaloo almost. <laughs> or like, you know, in Futurama, like the cryogenic freezing yeah. things. It looks like one of those. And it's just, I don't even know how they got it onto the second floor of the house. It's just in the middle of one of the bathrooms. It's <laughs> like smack bang in the middle. And it literally like plugs into the wall. That is incredible. I fucking love that. I mean, I just expect to come home one day and to find my dad in there just like yeah. rotating slowly like a rotisserie chicken. <laughs> I have such weird things. So I enjoy a sauna, but a steam room, I can't do it. makes me feel really claustrophobic. I don't really? know. Really? But that's such a similar kind of is it because you can't see in a steam room? I think so. I think it's that you can't see and it just like the air just feels thicker. It's so yeah. bizarre. But yeah, I literally my mum took me to like a Turkish baths once and we were having like a lovely day. And she's like, Oh, we'll go in here in the steam room. I was only like 14 or something at the time. And we went in the steam room and I literally did all about four and a half seconds. And I was like, No, I'm going to die. This is awful. I need to get out. <laughs> God, I haven't been to a hammam in so long. I think the last time I went, it was my friend's birthday. And we went out, we went to one in East London. It was like a proper, <laughs> proper authentic one. Amazing. And they gave us like honey to smear on our faces and stuff. Oh. And then afterwards we had like a little tea ceremony and it was really nice. And then I was so relaxed. And then I remember we had to leg it back to her student accommodation. And then I think we went to either like Fabric or Ministry of Sound. Incredible. And then what just like <laughs> partied until like 3, 4 a.m. And then we had to get the bus back to, I think it was Uxbridge. So it was like over an hour on the bus on the way back. And I was just like so dead. I was oh. like, oh, <laughs> no, couldn't go on. I don't know how we used to do it. 
I know. I genuinely like the thought of having like a full on all night night out now is just too much for me. We used to do all nighters all the time and like wait for the first metro or like wander home at like five, six a.m. I used to be able to go out literally like four days a week. Like I'd go out on like a Monday and then like a Thursday, Friday and a Saturday. And I was fine. And firstly, I don't know where I got the money from. I don't know how I wasn't completely incapacitated by Sunday. But we'd get to Sunday and I'd be like, oh, yeah, McDonald's breakfast and I'm good to go. Like, who wants to go to the pub? <laughs> yeah, horrendous. I The summer before I left to go to uni, I was out so much and I was basically just constantly hungover. And I remember I just lost so much weight because I could not face eating. <laughs> Like, it was so regular that I would look at a meal or it would take me into, like, two or three in the afternoon that I could actually, like, oh, process God. the thought of having Oh, see, I never get that kind solid of food. But <laughs> all I want to do is eat. And, like, as soon as I've eaten something, I'm absolutely fine. But I, oh, unless I've been, like, severely ill, in which case then, yeah, I, I can't stomach the thought of even moving, much less eating. Mm. So what's happened this week? Well, Trump has COVID, or oh. does he? Well, <laughs> or does he? Or does he? Apparently he's already basically out of hospital. So, you know, make of that what you guys will. <laughs> but I mean, is it just, he's going to survive it because he's got like the best treatment on the planet, right? Yeah. And this is the thing as well, though. So I have such like an amount of skepticism about it, where it's like, he clearly did appallingly in that debate. And it's like either an incredible PR ploy where he gets like a double whammy of getting out of doing those things and then gets to be like, see, everybody can get over COVID so easily. It's not as bad as, you know, you've been made to believe. Or he genuinely does have it, but is just going to use it as like a perfect thing of being like, everything's fine, guys. I'm invincible. You know, you'll never get rid of me. I think both of those things are happening. I for sure think that like this is only going to help him. Yeah, absolutely, which is so depressing. Which is super frustrating. I have to get out. My friend did a Trump impression for me. Uh (laughs) And it was so good. (laughs) And I feel like I just have to, I have to share it with you. He won't mind me sharing it. This is my friend in LA. The doctors are very optimistic. They're saying wonderful things, and it's a beautiful hospital, really a beautiful hospital. And we're doing a lot of things to fight this germ. Some people call it a virus. I like to call it the germ. And uh, we're doing wonderful things. My lungs have never been better. I've had beautiful lungs, wonderful lungs, and it does a number. Folks, it does a number on the lungs for a lot of people. But uh, we're looking into a lot of things regarding science, a lot of things regarding with the virus, with the science involved. And it's going to be a beautiful time, folks. You're going to be a wonderful time. We love it. We actually love our doctors, folks. We love them. Oh, my God, that is horrifying. That's <laughs> that is so scary. But do you know what it is as well? He's really, he's not only captured kind of the sound of it, but he's captured like the way that he constructs sentences and kind of yeah. like doubles back over himself and then puts emphasis on some things and not others, like down to a T. Yeah, he's got every inflection. Perfect. That's so creepy. <laughs> I know. I did say how much have you been practicing there? Yes. And then I tried to do a, I tried oh to do a God. Boris Johnson. <laughs> it, did, it did not work. I think to do a, a good Boris, you actually have to have his jowls because if you don't have enough meat around the jowls to sort of like wibble about, you can't actually. 
<laughs> you can't actually start to produce the kinds of noises that you would need to to do an accurate impression. Yeah, like you can't create like the echo chamber that it exists in. So it's just like <laughs> yeah, it's like no, I can't. I can't even. I was trying to like almost whinny like a horse, and I couldn't even do that. Oh, uh, I've just never been good at impressions at all. I just, I truly revere anybody that can nail a really good like impression or impersonation of somebody because it is fucking hard. It is. I mean, I can do like the odd accent. Yeah, I can sort of very tenuously do an accent. I'm also one of these people where I tend to pick up accents. Like if I'm around somebody with a really heavy accent for ages, I start to like, pick it up. Like I used to work with this girl who was from some like tiny tiny Scottish island and she had like the strongest Scottish accent and I started like thinking in Scottish it was so bizarre <laughs> well define thinking in Scottish like, like, you know, your you unit hear- of measurements becomes yeah, you know, like you- iron brew cans or something <laughs> like you know when you hear your internal monologue and like you hear yourself think <laughs> yeah like but like suddenly it was like in a Scottish accent <laughs> That is, I think you must be a highly suggestible person, (laughs) Truly, truly, yeah. It's like I used to have a boyfriend who was from the South and he had like a really, really like strong, like Southern posh accent. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, oh, no, no, no. I mean, it was literally like the full, like everything was bath and grass and all of that. And I literally just started to pick it up and I was like, oh, who am I? It was a full identity crisis. No, I, I tend to whip out, um, I do like a French accent, like if I ever get pulled up on the train or something, <laughs> for not having the right ticket, I'll go straight into a, oh, I'm really sorry, uh, I'm actually here visiting, so I did not know uh, if it was okay to take this ticket, I thought that I had done everything, so the guy at the station said he was okay that is um, incredible yeah it has actually gotten me off a few times I love got me that. off a fine gotten me off a fine <laughs> <laughs> just to clarify I'm sure it's gotten a few other people off but I was say, I'm sure it's done the other kind of thing too yeah <laughs> I've I've always said I can do one on demand because I don't actually have the uh the chic French accent that everyone expects when they see like a hometown Brussels on my hinge profile and then they're like oh you sound like a newsreader I'm like yeah sorry (laughs) oh god I mean there's definitely worse things that could happen have you had well (laughs) have you had any more um hilarious dating stories happen to you thus far um well no because I actually haven't been on any dates oh Um, you can't go like you're not like going out at all are you yeah well I'm just kind of massively scaling back on who I'm seeing um you know work-wise friend-wise and stuff which is shit but I just feel like while the R rate is like high again yeah like I think I got a bit complacent and I was very much enjoying like going out to restaurants and I was sort of maybe a bit in denial because I was enjoying the normal normalness of it all Um, but I'm back at a point now where I'm like no okay I've got to be I've got to be a bit better about this so no and in a way you know it's tiring meeting people and then part of me is like I'm not even that fussed yeah it's more just like a kind of time filler than anything yeah like I'd love like look if we go into like a second lockdown obviously I'd love to have someone that I could see like once a week bit of company like that would be great you know watch a film whatever yeah 
but you know day to day I literally get home and I'm so knackered I just make dinner and then I collapse in bed with my cats <laughs> and that's it you know and to be honest like what more does a girl want I was gonna say I mean that sounds like a pretty fantastic existence I, I mean you did you did see that I bought <laughs> you did see that I bought them a stroller so walk us through the cat buggy Lou <laughs> <laughs> so my babies. Fendi and Dolce right I I co-parent them with my tailor (laughs) which is already just fantastic in and of itself a very normal setup okay um they are growing rapidly obviously and when I actually carried them home this time because I had them for about two weeks then he had them for two weeks and I'm gonna have them for two weeks so we're gonna I think try and do sort of half and half um which is nice yeah and then I think because the kittens are used to now going backwards and forwards you know they're not getting freaked out like as soon as they got back into the house they were like super relaxed again yeah it's all good um so I shared them with him and when I carried them home the last time in their carry box I barely made it back because they were so heavy the two of them So I thought, well, if only there was a way to transport them from A to B (laughs) that didn't require me to like nearly lose an arm. So anyway, I looked into it and you can actually get cat buggies or small dog buggies. And I thought, well, do you know what? While they're still kittens, they're not going to get like vaccinated, spayed and neutered until they're six months old. And they're still younger than that. But they want fresh air, I can tell. Yeah. So I thought, what well, if I can get them in a harness, clip them to the inside of the buggy, <laughs> and then just take them out for a walk along the river? They'd love it. Um, yeah, it's got a little cup holder, so I can have like, my latte. And I was thinking, actually, do you know what? Me and my vintage fur coat, yeah. high heels, walking sure. along the riverfront where I live with my two kittens and a pink stroller. <laughs> is me and I'm not actually sorry about it (laughs) I truly I mean look I would have never thought you'd have been the cat buggy person however I am loving this vision for you (laughs) (laughs) I'm shocked that you never saw that for me I I really am because I actually feel that this is now my truest self yeah he's like fully evolved (laughs) this is my final form but I will say that I was not expecting to get to this point at 26 no I thought maybe 36 maybe even mid 40s 26 was maybe pushing it but you know I I just the men in my life need to step it up what can I say (laughs) if they want to pull me back from the brink of this there's going to have to be an escalation a window of opportunity to save you this life (laughs) yeah because I I do feel once I settle into it that might just be me gone you know yeah I mean at this point though no man can come in and be like no Lou get rid of the cats you can't take the cats outside this is unacceptable because fuck that guy yeah, no, I I need a cat dad. Yeah, sure. I need a cat dad. But I I've always I've always maintained that I would end up with a cat guy. Yeah, yeah. see, we've, we've spoken about this before, haven't we? Where it's like we think that cat men and dog men are a very specific, separate breed of people. <laughs> yeah, and I think you know, there's nothing wrong with dog men. Mm-hmm. Um, and ninety five percent of men are dog men. They are. It's weird. Like Greg is Greg likes cats, but Greg is a dog man. He doesn't have the full spectrum of traits. However, it's it's a very specific thing where it's like I think cat men appreciate the joy of solitude and being left alone. 
and being independent whereas dog men are a lot more they want to be like doing things and active and going here and having this and everything's fun and oh my god no it's like oh it's exhausting (laughs) yeah I mean to me it's literally as simple as introverts like cats extroverts like dogs or or prefer shall we say because like I I love dogs like I do you show me a dog in a pub and I'll be like all (laughs) over it do I then want to walk it for miles every day and pick up its poop no I I can't see that for me but I will still love it whereas I feel like dog people are always like a cat once bit me when I was two because I kicked it in the head and now I want to murder every cat I see this is so true I had a friend who discovered that an animal of some unknown description was shitting in his front garden so he became adamant that it must be a cat. He literally <laughs> set up live cameras that streamed to his phone so he could catch whatever cat it was in the street and make a fuss of it. Like, so he could go and be like, your cat's shitting in my garden. Cats don't leave their shit out where it's visible. Exactly. I was like, it's probably a fox or somebody who's literally just not picking up after their dog. It's- <laughs> I thought you were going to say, or somebody <laughs> with beef. <laughs> I mean that is an option (laughs) did I ever tell you what happened to our student house in London no (laughs) someone shat on it (laughs) shut the fuck up no (laughs) so we used to live in this muse and it was like a group of student houses and um one day I was I was sitting at the kitchen table dissociating trying to pretend (laughs) that I was living another life because I hated it um didn't hate my housemates though yeah for the record um (laughs) And I was just looking outside. It must have been middle of the day, probably 10, 11 a.m. And this guy just walked up to um, the side wall of the house, dropped his pants and just pooped. Stop. (laughs) And I was so shocked that I I just didn't move. And I kind of like second guessed myself. And then he just walked off. And so (laughs) no one was in my house. Everyone was at like lessons. So I went next door because next door was also a student house and they were all in the kitchen and I knocked on their kitchen window and we didn't really massively talk to these people. Yeah. So like we were like on okay terms, but we weren't like Macy, but I knocked on the window and I, I said, guys, this is going to sound really strange, but did any of you just see that? <laughs> and they looked at me and they said, no, what? Because it was within their line of sight as yeah. well. I said, I think someone just pooped on our house. <laughs> They were like, no, shut up. And anyway, we, we went outside <laughs> to take a closer look. And um, <laughs> sure enough, someone had. Oh. And not only that, but they had wiped. No! So my initial theory that, you know, maybe someone was overcome by diarrhea. We were down a little like alleyway. So it was kind of away from the main road. So, you know, yeah. maybe, you know, disaster strikes. You need a yeah. bit of privacy. But he had wiped Faith with loo roll. Like, if you've come that equipped, you can find a toilet. (laughs) Even knock on the door, quite frankly. (laughs) I mean, anyway. And so then I became completely convinced that it was some kind of, like, you know, political statement or whatever else. And I was quite worried, actually, for a few days. But we never found out, you know, who, why, what, where. That is monstrous. How did you get rid of it? Well, we just let the rain do its thing. I mean, I, you know, it was on the outside of a brick house. I'm not going to, yeah. like, go let and deal with it myself. But 
it, it was just one of those really sad I mean I was just relieved that I hadn't imagined it I think at yeah. that point so I didn't really need to take any further action after that yeah you just needed the confirmation that it truly happened that is yeah because you know when you see something or you hear something yeah. you're like no surely not surely yeah not. <laughs> kind of just happened in front of my eyes <laughs> that is interesting though I do not understand these people who will just shit freely anywhere it's very confusing and concerning to me you talk about this like this is like a substrate of people that exist <laughs> that there are just like free shitters just roaming the country no, I mean literally so when I was in high school we did this like geography trip where they took us to two different like socio-economic areas of Newcastle right so they took us to Gosford, which is like the you know the, the really really expensive. Okay, but sorry, this is such a private school. Like <laughs> I know it's actually terrible. It's they took you on a poverty safari. They honestly did, and it's truly to this day it's so problematic, and I'm horrified still that they did this. They okay, guys, but, but as... you were an innocent bystander in this, clearly. Yeah, they they guised it as the socioeconomics. You could look at the different income areas of Newcastle, but essentially it was very much a here's what happens if you don't work hard, kids, kind of a vibe that they gave us. Um, so they took us to the really expensive, really, like, rich, luxurious part of Newcastle and, you know, told us to count <laughs> count how many cars they had and what kind of cars they had and all of this. And then they took us to Biker, which is a notoriously, like, poor area. It's always got, um, like, higher crime rates, all that sort of stuff. And they took us. And as we were walking through Biker Wall, we looked into a garden and there was just a two litre Coke bottle with human feces in it. <laughs> and honestly, <laughs> all of the teachers at that point sort of rounded us up into a huddle and were like, I think it's time that we leave. <laughs> I, I in, in a Coke bottle? Yeah, well, so for me, I mean, everything, like disgustingness aside, I'm truly just amazed that somebody had that good accuracy and aim. Oh my god. Like, have you ever tried to do like a urine test? Like it's fucking impossible, much less trying to like shit in a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I mean, that could have been some kind of cultural commentary on late capitalism. You don't know that. It could have been part of a radical art project. <laughs> Probably got a whole load of like <laughs> arts council funding. <laughs> funding. <laughs> I was telling this exact story at work one day when I worked in um like a fashion company and there was another girl there who'd went to not the same private school as me but one nearby and we were like swapping stories and she was talking about how they used to have like food tech where they had to take a proper like wicker basket with ingredients and I was like yeah yeah we had to do that as well and then I told them like the coke bottle story and even they were just like I mean wow like (laughs) the fact that they took you on this like like you say like poverty safari around the poor bits of Newcastle was so problematic it's insane yeah, I mean, the early 2000s were... It was literally, like, 2006, seven. I, I remember my... Uh, I went to a French kindergarten because my parents, like, they speak French but not very well, so they were just like, we'll just put her in this school and she'll learn, it'll be fine. So from two to four, I went... No, two to five, I went to a French uh, school. And I remember one day they they like hyped us up massively for like a secret school trip. Mm-hmm. And obviously you're like five years old. You're like, oh my God, we're going to Disney. Yeah. We're going to the moon. <laughs> and then I remember they took us to the bakery around the corner yeah. to learn how croissants are made. <laughs> we felt <That> so is- <laughs> cheated. 
<laughs> but we got a free croissant. I mean, that's always a bonus, but they really should learn how to manage expectation better. <laughs> First thing they teach you at business school. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was run by like, they weren't quite nuns, but they were like strict French Catholics. Let me tell you, I got smacked. No. Oh my I- God. Yeah. Corporal punishment. To be fair, in my primary school, my piano teacher was a full-on, like, if you played a scale or a chord wrong, he would hit the back of your hand with a wooden ruler. We <laughs> we had one teacher um, who I think came and, came and taught us for a year because our really sweet, wonderful teacher was going through cancer treatment. Mm-hmm. So then we had this guy come in for a year as a stand-in while she was off, and he used to grind a dried starfish on our heads. If what? we misbehaved. Yeah, like like we're like we were like lemon presses. He would actually, it was this massive spiky starfish and he'd come and he'd like push it down on your head like a crown of thorns. Oh, I'm I'm speechless. <laughs> I mean at least it's inventive. Like you've got to give him the creativity points, I guess, but that is horrifying. <laughs> I'm amazed I'm not more scarred. Yeah. <laughs> like literally physically and emotionally. <laughs> Uh, should we get into our reader questions yes questions listener question yeah yeah I I did get another question but it was a bit sexy and I don't know how sexy I can get on this podcast (laughs) so I might leave it for another couple of weeks okay do we need to ease into it a bit more (laughs) yeah I think so I think so because I'm like I also don't want to get fired (laughs) okay so how far in the future am I supposed to be planning in an unpredictable environment? Oh, God. I think this, like, firmly splits you into what kind of category of a person you are. Like, whether you're a, a planning person, like the kind of person who has, like, five and ten and fifteen-year plans, or whether you're a kind of fuck-it-and-see sort of a person. Okay, what does it make me if I have both of those things? Yeah. <laughs> An enigma. <laughs> I kind of have a little bit of the same where it's like I if I don't have some semblance of a plan then my world just I rapidly go into a downward spiral however I have learned through my own actions and choices that if I try and have too rigid a plan I very quickly as I'm a perfectionist cannot manage cannot manage the expectation and therefore ultimately just feel like I failed at it. So I have to find the sweet spot in the middle. Yeah, I think it's really difficult, isn't it? I, I think especially this year, mm-hmm. I, I think this year especially, like, has really thrown into question, like you say, this entire idea of having a plan. Mm-hmm. Like, the plan is obsolete. I, I think... You can have your general framework and I think you do have to have a framework in life. I think you at least, at the very least, need to know what you don't want to do and what you don't want to be and what your day-to-day, what you don't want your day-to-day to look like. Yeah. I don't think you need to know exactly what it does need to look like, but you need to have a really strong sense of what you want to avoid. Yeah, I think that's like so important and it's something that I... Like, I was always the kind of person where it's like, I don't like to think, like, right, by the time I'm 30, I'm going to have done this. And by the time I'm 35, I'll have achieved this. Because, you know, shit gets in the way and it doesn't happen. And you're just kind of setting yourself up for failure. But I think the same thing where it's like, through experience and through 
just life, you kind of go, right, this is exactly what I do not want my life to be. Like, I didn't want nine to five office job. I didn't want, you know, like little picket fences and a family with like four kids. Oh. I want to very, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I break out in hives just thinking about the notion of being like Bob and Betty Bendix. <laughs> <laughs> But I think it's important, like you say, to know what you don't want. And I think in terms of planning, you can plan what to avoid, if that makes sense. Yeah, and you can make choices that are going to push you more firmly in one direction than another. And I, do you know what? I really hate this idea of like, or I hate the headlines that are like, she's only 21 and she's already done X, Y, Z. Because half of the time they're doing it with mummy and daddy's money anyway, which is absolutely fine. No, it doesn't take away from your accomplishments, but it does give you a bloody good the head start. Yeah, exactly. Like I wrote an article where it was like, oh, um, we bought our first house by the time we were 22. And like, if we can do it, anybody can do it. And then you read the article and it was like, their parents bought them a house. They then rented out this house to somebody else while they lived with her grandparents so that they could afford to buy another house of their own. I was like, that's not... <laughs> That's literally not how it works. That's not what it at all. Like, I- I'm trying to buy my own house by putting literally like £100 a month away. <laughs> like, I'm going to be here a while, but that's buying your own house. Or like, when they're like, oh yeah, she been running, you know, self-made business for God knows how long. Like, when they called Kylie Jenner a self-made billionaire. And it's like, no, no, it's the polar opposite of self-made. Yeah, because everything's already been set up. Now, the woman who invented Spanx, she's fucking self-made. Yes, exactly. And God bless her, let me say. (laughs) Oh, she's fantastic. I love her on Shark Tank. (laughs) So good. But yeah, exactly. I think it's that thing. You can can plan for an overall overarching look, like what your life will look like. You know, you can be like, I want to work freelance or I really want to own a company or I want to live in the Bahamas and work for an island you can plan all those things and you kind of know whether you want to be married or whether you want to have kids or whether you want to be single like all those kind of things you can have a an idea and a sort of vague outline of a plan and you just kind of fill in the gaps as you go yeah and I I think you need to understand that the plan has to be flexible as well like I I think a lot right I'm not a risk taker Okay, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people would say that that makes me a bad entrepreneur or maybe not me personally, but I think a lot of people that you speak to would say that one of the attributes of a good entrepreneur is that you're a risk taker, right? Mm-hmm. Because big risk, big reward. Yeah. I would actually beg to differ. I'm sure in some situations it has harmed me not being a risk taker, but I think actually because I'm not a big risk taker, it's given me a much greater degree of resilience. So when all of this kicked off with COVID, you know, I had friends who immediately were like, how am I going to pay my office rent? You know, how am I going to do this? I need grant money to do that. And I was like, I can actually keep going for six months, even if everything is as slow as it is right now, because I've saved and I've been quite careful and I've not like splurged and I've not taken any big risks so suddenly I went from thinking oh my god I need to get a move on like I you know I've got this money sitting there I need to kind of do something with it within the business to oh my god thank god I have that buffer in my business bank account because that means that 
if things are really shit you know yeah. and this was back in March I was thinking this and I was thinking oh I'm sure by June everything will be fine <laughs> by my birthday it'll be fine now we're in October and you know yeah. I mean things are starting to get a bit of touch and go yeah of course but I still have a reasonable runway ahead of me but I only have that because I've been so careful yeah absolutely and I think that's the kind of the important distinction to make is it's like you can be a little bit of both you can have a plan and you can plan a year or five years or 10 years or whatever ahead but there's always going to be shit that gets in the way like not one of us could have planned that this year was going to happen <laughs> like, fucking no nope. no I mean there were some bad omens for me at the start of this year yeah. but <laughs> you know me I see a red flag and I'm like a red bull running straight yeah. towards it I'm like That's bring it baby <laughs> try me (laughs) and what else could happen (laughs) yeah so I I think I think we've got a very sensible line on this make the plan have it there don't like oh flagellate (laughs) flagellate don't whip yourself if you don't then stick to that plan because external factors are always going to get in the way and like there will just be spanners in various works some of which you can kind of control, some of which you absolutely can't. But I would always say, err on the side of caution with the plan. Always put some money aside. Always be thinking about other options. I haven't quit my day job. Mm-hmm. You know, I turned over a decent amount last year in the business. But I was like, I'm onto a good thing. I'm going to keep working three days a week. Yeah. And, you know, that's what's allowed me to to take on my first member of staff and you know hopefully she's going to be the person that allows me to see this through mm-hmm. and you know we'll be better off for it but yeah. I don't think I'm above anything I mean I'm still doing random freelancing copywriting jobs you know wherever I can pick them up exactly and that's the thing like obviously I landed on my feet with this job but there's so many moving parts and it's still stuff where it's like I'm still the same like I'm always on the lookout for another job another part-time job another freelance job like I think it's that thing like never think that you're done I think is the important thing as well like because I think that's always the risk when you set yourself like a solid tangible goal of saying right I want to own a company when I'm 30 and if you get to 30 and you own a company fantastic but then you're not done you will never be done with that and it's kind of not reckless but it's just kind of like you can't just set yourself one solid tangible goal like that that once you achieve it you kind of go right well what else (laughs) well I mean also like just incorporate your company on company's house and then just don't file (laughs) like they go you own a company well done go (laughs) mission accomplished (laughs) So, what next? Oh, do we go for the sexy question? Do we do we risk it? We go, we we can go like not graphic. Okay. I'm intrigued by this question. You've really <laughs> really built it up for me. <laughs> okay. Okay, so she she asked and I just this is too funny, so I have to tell you exactly how she wrote this. How do women orgasm? <laughs> Which seems very much beyond our remit to explain. (laughs) Oh my God, is that it? Is that just the whole question? No. And then she said, hang on, what's the podcast? (laughs) (laughs) And then she said, why do some boys not go down on women during sex, even when the woman has gone down on them? 
oh, it's such a minefield of a topic, isn't it? Because there's so many things where it's like, I don't know, as as a woman, I'm not just like, well, you know, it should be equal rights and blah, blah. But also, I would be pissed as hell if somebody went down on me for the pure expectation of reciprocity. Reciprocity? Reciprocity. (laughs) Reciprocity. (laughs) Like, I, because you can tell when somebody is not that into it, can't you? I, I would say so. Yeah, you can always sort of tell when somebody's kind of going through the motions of doing it because they think that they should. And I just think I wouldn't want to be the person on the receiving end of that or the giving end of that. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. In every sense. I, I think it also comes down to like entitlement mm-hmm. though Very because like I don't know like to me I'm like if you're a straight guy like surely you should be into that no do you think there's an element where they're just afraid that they're going to be shit at it but they don't want to confess that they're afraid or ask for directions oh 100% but also <laughs> a lot of girls are afraid to give directions yeah I think so and it's definitely something that I like struggle with is being sort of like like communicating very clearly about what I want and I mean it, it rides over into every aspect of my life like I'm a for somebody who has literal job is communicating and writing I'm shit at it <laughs> maybe you should just put it down in writing yeah. maybe that would make things easier write in my handbook <laughs> but I think that is such an important thing and it's like I listened to um all the way which is like Cosmo's sex podcast which is really really good it's so interesting no but can I just say Cosmo gave me some seriously twisted expectations with their sex tips like early on in life old school Cosmo was true (laughs) (laughs) I was like why are donuts getting involved in this (laughs) I think I read one once that was like you can try filling your mouth with hot Ribena before you go down on it and I was like oh but the scalding like I would die if somebody came near any of my reproductive organs with a mouthful of liquid. (laughs) (laughs) That's not even fizzy. I don't even understand. I don't know. I don't get it. But um, they had um, one episode where they had uh, a blowjob expert on. And he was saying he teaches these classes on how to give, like, really good head. But he was saying, like, the one thing is, like, everybody always comes in thinking that they really want these, like, you know, five top tips on how to do it. And he was like, literally, the best thing I can tell you is just to communicate. And like, if you don't ask a question or give a direction, that person will never know. And you'll just sit there going, God, why hasn't he gone to the left? Or why hasn't he like gone down? Or why hasn't he done this, that and the other? And it's like, well, if you told him, no, well, there's only so much we can expect from them. <laughs> But it's this, okay, so just extrapolating outwards from the kind of sexy origins of this question, mm-hmm. this is just a problem that really pervades society, I feel. Yeah, very much. And like you say, 90% of the time, if someone says, like, God, I wish I could just do this, or I wish they'd understand that, that and you say, What have you asked them? Have you mentioned yes. this? Oh, no. It's so bizarre, isn't it? It's like it never occurs to them to actually. Like, just say that to the person. Like, I know so many people who will be, like, having problems with, like, their other half, and they'll be like, oh, like, he never does this, or he never does that, or, you know, I wish she would do this, and et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, well, have you told them that? And they're like, well, no, like, I don't know how to how to bring it up. And it's like, well, just like you just did with me, but just do it with them. 
Yeah, I guess. Yeah, there's two sides, isn't there? Because I remember, I remember kind of with my last kind of serious, serious relationship, I found it really difficult to kind of communicate what was quite wrong and I think it's because I almost didn't quite know and I think if I had known 100% it would have been a different story but to actually sit down and to like vocalize to someone and because I really liked him when I made the decision to break up with him Mm -hmm. and you know it wasn't like a a personal thing against him I found it really really difficult to vocalize in a way that was going to get my point across but also make it clear that like there was an issue, but then also not cause unnecessary harm. So I had all these different things in my head and I was like trying not to be vague, but then being just vague enough that I wouldn't like really upset him. And oh my, it was, yeah, it was horrible. What a day. No, I'm literally, so I'm also that person where it's like, I hate the notion that I might unwittingly upset somebody. So whilst in my head, I'm like, I just need to, you know, say, wish you would do more of this or do less of this, for example. But then when it comes to it, I sort of, I dance around it and I'm like, well, you know, it, it's it's really nice of this, but but don't feel like you have to, because, you know, you can just do that, you know, if you don't want to, and it's like, it just gets like word vomit and you just keep talking. And it is hard when you can't identify a specific thing, like whether it's a, like you say, like something to break up with somebody over, or whether it's literally just a case of like, there's just something a bit off in our relationship. How do we fix it? It's so hard and you can't find the thing (laughs) I think as well like pulling it just background to the bedroom briefly I think okay you might disagree with this but I feel like even if someone wasn't 100% into it I feel like doing it offering to do it or starting to do it at least shows willing and I think it's important to show willing and then if you then stop or you you know don't take too much time with it that's fine but the point is that you've offered yeah no it's when people don't offer yeah you're like hmm okay yeah and I think it's that thing it's it's again it's managing expectation which seems to be an overriding theme of this like you kind of it's hard when you very first start sleeping with somebody or it's somebody that you don't you know know all that well and it's a new relationship or you know a new like even just like a one-night stand and things like that like it's hard because you don't know what they are or are in like aren't into so it's like, I feel like you kind of want to, ex- like, it's nice to try and explore different things with that person. And then, halfway through- <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <Go on. laughs> and then halfway through, you can kind of be like, no, this just doesn't really do it for me, like, and move on. But I think it's like, I think sometimes people get very set and like, I, you know, like a guy be like, oh, I, I hate going down on girls. But then it's like, but maybe with a different person you try it as something different or you try a new way of doing it and it's like you kind of can't just write off a whole ballpark (laughs) just because you think that maybe one time you were a bit shit at it and you get embarrassed yeah (laughs) yeah I mean I I do I do actually one of the like only places that I feel sympathy for men is like in that setting because I do think that a lot of girls won't give them direction but then bitch about them when it's not living up to what they want (laughs) which isn't nice no I was just gonna tell you I had the most (laughs) the most rogue one night stand oh my god tell me just when you're talking about like you're not sure what other people like um I basically it was a guy that I knew from like back in the day and then we like reconnected a bit and then I was like oh I'm in town 
maybe I could come and see you. <laughs> and um, anyway, I, I won't go into details, but at one point he had like a, a traditional Zulu piece <laughs> on. And he was wielding like a miniature spear and he was basically telling me like the story of South Africa <laughs> in this little outfit as I just sat there and I was just aghast. That's such a niche thing to be <laughs> And I remember thinking, no one's going to believe me. No. So I, I took a little picture of just the little Zulu leather sandal with that, oh. I think it's like had deer hair on it, <laughs> just so I could send it to my friend and be like, "Well, you'll never guess the spectacle that I was treated to." <laughs> I love that. I've never had anybody that's been wildly interesting <laughs> in bed. Like that makes it sound terrible. I mean, like they haven't had any very sort of like overtly specific. <laughs> no, like I can't know the word kinks, fetishes. Well, I, I don't think Sorry. this was a kink. I don't think this was a kink. I think he was just trying to break the ice and you know, maybe start a conversation. I, I don't know, but it just seemed an odd an odd thing to crack out. I love the fact that he, he got fully dressed up as if to like be fully in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Visuals are important. Yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I think it probably would have worked better if he was like a seven foot tall, like muscular... Yeah, but I think he was like shorter than me, you know. No, it just it just didn't quite translate in terms of like warrior god, but yeah, it didn't quite fill the fantasy of that area. <laughs> you know, perfectly nice guy. So oh, bless him. You try. What can I say? <laughs> okay, okay, let's move on because I'm getting embarrassed with this. <laughs> um, Caroline from brussels asks what's stopping me from ending it all (laughs) we love an existential problem on this podcast we do what is stopping her from ending it all um kitten toes kitten toes are always a good one little toe beans little toe beans um the thought of like one day being able to enjoy an aperol spritz on like an overpriced rooftop terrace bar Yes, with like a view over a city. Oh, yeah, but not like a smoggy city. No, like a proper good, clear, like a beautiful sun. Like a Seville. Yes, all of that. Or like Tuscany or something like that. Very inspired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, charity shops, obviously. Oh, finding a good bargain in a charity shop is an unparalleled level of ecstasy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, truly like the serotonin rush that we all needed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Going into a jewellery shop and trying on some, like, fucking insane diamonds that you'll never be able to afford and then just, like, feeling the weight of them on your hands. Oh, yes. And doing the same with handbags as well. Oh, stroking. Yes. Like, an expensive handbag. My friend came by the other day. She bought a Birkin with her insurance payout oh. for a car crash. Oh, my- And every time she comes, I just have to, like, <laughs> steal a little stroke of it. I'm obsessed with that. Oh, do you know it's really tragic, though? I'm trying to think it was, like, what's keeping me alive and I'm like oh my list's very (laughs) (laughs) you know my list revolves completely around like material items basically or things that I can ingest (laughs) mine is literally exactly the same or it's just super fucking basic like oh 
watching a horror film with some nice scented candles on under a blanket. <laughs> I'm like, oh, who am I? <laughs> oh, that's all right. You know, I just embrace your inner basic. I've been watching so much Five Guys in a week. What is that? Oh, oh wait, yes, I do. I do know what it is. I haven't seen it, though. Faith, you have to watch it. I, like, binged it over the weekend. Oh, oh. It's just amazing. It's, like, the best condensed dating show format ever. <laughs> I love that. I'm just, I keep seeing trailers for it and I keep meaning to watch it. I've got back no, it's really together, good. watching Made in Chelsea. Oh, I was on Made in Chelsea once. Shut the fuck up. Red <laughs> swear and tell me everything. Okay, so I was in London. I was doing an internship with this boutique in Notting Hill. And my boss was like a multi-millionaireess. I mean, I feel like she was super nice, but I feel like the shop was just like a plaything for her. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. She was just like, oh, yes, my stupid boutique <laughs> it's like okay um and I remember she just like chucked her like fashion week badge at me one day and she was like oh I don't have time for this she was like you can go if you want <gasps> and it was it was like a VIP like fashion week entry thing and I was like oh, oh my god so anyway so I went and I literally just arrived in London didn't know where anything was and I remember I went to Somerset House because I was like they all happen here and it was in a different building and it was in like the same area I think it was in the Freemasons Hall oh, anyway it took me ages to find but I eventually found it I remember I was like out of breath I was so like disheveled I looked like shit because <laughs> because but a week earlier <laughs> I had been grabbed at Oxford Circus whisked into a hair salon and I modeled for like a Polish hairdressing instructional no. DVD oh my god true story where they cut in the most severe layers okay oh and then they did my entire hair my entire head of hair cherry red and then in my fringe I had a balayage of gray lilac and black <laughs> So needless to say, it was not a look. And they had cut the layers in so severely that I basically had two strands of full length hair on either side. And it took, I am not joking, over a year to grow out. I'm going to need you to find pictures of this haircut, Lou. I will find a picture (laughs) and I will post it on Instagram and cry laughing. I can't wait to see it. So I rock up at the Freemasons Hall. I'm late. Everyone else is seated, and I'm like, fuck. I show them the badge, they're like, oh, of course. <laughs> because it says, you know, not my name, yeah, he, whatever. And they show me to my seat on the front row. Oh my God. And they're like, we have a goodie bag for you as well. They give me my goodie bag. Oh. I sit down. I'm like, do, 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 you know, like, just got off the mega bus, you yeah. know, Brussels. I was like, bright eyed. Anyway, this girl opposite me was giving me the dirtiest fucking look, right? And this guy as well, like this really like good looking guy. But they were just like glaring at me like, who does she think she is waltzing in late on the front row? Because I was literally the last person to get seated. Yeah, I didn't even have a smartphone face, right? So I was literally there with like my brick Samsung pretending to take pictures on my like 0.2 megapixel camera. just because everyone else was and I was like oh my god shit got to blend in 
anyway and then I was like oh there are loads of cameras around and I was like oh they must be filming the fashion show so I didn't really think anything of it and then afterwards there was like a little open showroom people milling around and I stayed for a bit but then you know it's London no one talks to you plus I looked really weird and out of place (laughs) and I'm sure I was just like awkward generally so I went home (laughs) then probably about two months later my friend texted me and she was like, Lou, why the fuck are you on Made in Chelsea? And it's just a shot of the front row, right? And it's just got me sitting there with like my neck crane forward, with my old shitty like brick phone, like stuck out. And um, basically the people opposite me, one of them was like the really pretty girl that's on it. And the other one was Mark Francis. Oh my God, incredible. <laughs> And then, and then later, I had a friend that got with Proud Lock. So then I oh. worked out that that was that. And then one of the girls in my accommodation slept with, I think, Spencer when he had a girlfriend, and it like made that storyline like was yeah. on the show. Oh my god! <laughs> so yeah. So anyway, so I wasn't really like. I was in a few shots, shall we say. But it was really funny because I was like very clearly on the TV, just like, hmm, like no idea what was going on. That just is something. not. And my friends were all like, Lou, what the fuck? Wait, what year was this? Because I need to go back and find this episode. <laughs> um, I probably have a picture of it somewhere. It must have been 2012 or 2013. Fantastic. I think it was 2013. Incredible. I'm literally going to find it tonight. <laughs> Yeah, please do, please do. I think it was the Ming Ping Teen fashion show. Amazing. So, yeah. (laughs) It was my reality TV moment. That is, I just love that. But you know what? I never got into Made in Chelsea because to me it was a bit too close to home. I was kind of like, oh, like, they're just all like posh people getting into tiffs. Yeah, I know what you mean. That's why I like The Housewives, because it's so, like, American (laughs) and over-the-top and exaggerated. And I feel like, obviously, the themes are, like, familiar and universal. But it's just alien enough that I feel like it's a window into another world. Oh, no. See, I have that sort of, like, alienism with Made in Chelsea as well. Because I, apart from a brief stint where I lived in Bristol for a year and a brief sort of two months where I lived in Gloucester, I've only ever lived in Newcastle. So for me, I'm like, it's like, oh, it's so glamorous and rich and fancy. (laughs) I am. So (laughs) there's this guy that I've been in touch with for like quite some time. We hooked up once. We were going to hook up again, like at the start of the year. And then he got COVID. (laughs) So it was quite like a quite a good uh save yeah but anyway and I thought we got on really well and I was like mm, why why you know why don't you want to like not even like be together or anything god yeah. I didn't know like as good as that but you know Hang out with you. basically he like literally ghosted me for like three months and then I texted him being like by the way I think you're really rude and then we got talking <laughs> again and then some time passed and then whatever <laughs> But I think I think basically his main problem with me is that I live up north. And yeah. anyway, he's going out with a Tatler journalist now. <laughs> and I'm like, OK, fair enough. I get it. Like, I'm not enough of a pedigree. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just really not used to people being like, you're just not posh enough for me, darling. <laughs> it's so wild. <laughs> like, I feel very humbled. What is so hilarious is I'm always, like, the posh one of, like, my friendship group. And yet at the private school, I was, like, the least posh one. 
<laughs> so I've forever straddled this kind of grey area where it's like, well, I'm sort of too posh for the the proper northern kids and then not posh enough for the, you know, footballers' daughters. <laughs> I wonder so I always have this like conversation with people of like what what is middle class like people have different criteria don't they yeah and one of my I think he's like a second or third cousin (laughs) he had like his little like middle class checklist which was something like does more than half of their groceries at (laughs) M&S knows how to make a vinaigrette oh my god and can name three Verdi operas well, clearly, I am not even remotely on the middle class. <laughs> no, well, I know this is the thing. I can't name three Verdi operas. No, nobody can. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's like a generational thing. I don't know. Yeah. I'm trying to think now what what the criteria would be for like our generation. I feel like owning a Canada Goose jacket has to be in there. I mean, yeah. I don't. I think they're awful. But yeah, I don't on a principle thing rather than anything else. Um, uh, I also would not spend that much money on a coat. No, definitely not. Especially not. Aren't, they, aren't they like five hundred, six hundred pounds? Yeah, they're like extortionate. It's like, well, for that price, I'd rather get like a little like designer bag. Yeah, I mean, or I will literally get like a Versace coat, like a wool vintage yeah. Versace coat. Yeah, like a timeless kind of thing. But yeah, I just can't fathom spending that much money on like essentially a puffer jacket. <laughs> the most I've spent on a coat was for my yellow Versace one. Oh, that was worth every penny. 220 quid but I looked at it online and there's one on Depop I think that's up for like $1,300 holy shit like the exact same coat I mean it's obviously not sold at that but yeah but still that's obviously a really good like benchmark for what you can flip it for yeah I mean I could definitely get 350 for it I reckon absolutely every time I wear it someone shouts big birds at me in the street and if they don't then frankly I feel like I've failed Uh, I have this I have like a bright silver that's kind of like a big like puffer jacket and every time someone's like oh spaceman I'm like oh you're so creative (laughs) what does that even mean don't even know like genuinely I have this thing where it's like I don't care if I get like shouted at in the street or you know people take the piss out of me in the street like whatever I'd much rather be wearing something fun and colorful and and interesting and be shouted at by like chavs in the street the only thing that offends me is when they're just painfully uncreative like I'm just oh you didn't even try all right pink dress girl whoa pink dress girl (laughs) come on no it's like refine your cultural touch points why don't you I need some better referential points from you next time. <laughs> Actually, I think I think my favourite one ever was um, I used to have this like fluffy blue fake fur coat, and I remember being in London once on the underground, and this girl, this like tiny little girl, like so cute, like tugged at her mother's jacket, and she was like, "Look, a unicorn princess," <laughs> and I was like. Thanks. I'll take that. <laughs> it's literally like I don't dress for men. I dress so five-year-olds can call me a princess in the street. That is literally me as well. Like as, as I got older, I definitely have like fell into the man-repelling clothes. <laughs> <laughs> like the bigger and the more colourful and the uglier, the better. As far as I'm concerned, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Actually, when is your birthday? December 29th. Right. Okay. Because I bought something for your birthday already. 
not knowing when it was because I saw it and I was like this is amazing you might hate it you might love it either way I don't mind like you'll be able to flip it I got I will love it whatever it is, this I, is- I literally I saw it. it and I was like I have to thank you so much ah god I'm, I can't wait <laughs> yeah you've got loads to look forward to no I literally I saw it I think it must be from like a graduate collection because there's no label in it amazing but it's just so unusual oh you're dead <laughs> and it has fluffy bits oh told me. <laughs> hashtag me over lockdown <laughs> oh god oh I can't wait that's so exciting thank you you're most welcome I hope next week we'll get some more like love life questions because yeah fun and I feel like I'm so unqualified to answer them but I just I, like they're the most fun no do you know what's so wild though is you have actually like such a better insight of like dating and men and stuff than I do because I've literally either just been in like a long-term relationship or single and not dating anybody <laughs> so like I have no frame of reference for like actual casual dating yeah it is very casual dating though that's the thing (laughs) like my mom is like I don't understand how you can do it like I don't know she was like but don't don't people get like upset blah 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 and I was like well no because you know it doesn't like guys don't want you breathing down their neck 24 7 so why would I want someone breathing down my neck exactly I'm very much for that but you know I'm open to everything. My friend came around today who was recently engaged and I tried on her uh, her ring just to like role play that someone loved me <laughs> for like five good minutes. My finger and she was like painfully thin so like it would only fit on my little finger but I was like if I just squint I can kind of pretend that's the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, someday, someday. <laughs> Follow Faith at faith underscore elizabeth two h's in faith on instagram and you can check out her writing work at www.faithrichardson.co.uk you can follow me on twitter at lou g rogers no i'm louisa g rogers on twitter (laughs) or on instagram at lou g rogers and you can check out my website at louisarogers.net we'll speak to you next week Bye. (laughs) that was really fun i'm quite hammered (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God.